energy pulls northwest. I'm confident that we can build a world-class power system. Power to the people. The Northwest is blessed with abundant supplies of renewable hydropower. Wind, solar, technology, innovation, climate change. Nation's largest fish and wildlife the program. The natural hydroelectric power resources belonging to the people of the United States shall remain forever. Energy Pulse Northwest. Hi, this is Sarah Smith from BPA, and welcome to Energy Pulse Northwest Edition 2. I'm David Wilson. Yes, this is... Uh, Number two of our podcast, uh, where we look at uh, all things energy, utility related throughout the Pacific Northwest. People, issues, technology, all that stuff going on around the beautiful region. This week, uh, Kevin Wingert, who is a BPA media spokesperson, uh, takes us to the High Voltage Lab at Ross Complex. Which is a very cool place where lots of uh, expensive and intricate, one-of-a-kind equipment gets tested before it gets put on the four-state high-voltage transmission system that keeps your lights on. Let's take it away, Kevin. Here we go to the high voltage lab at BPA's Ross Complex. Testing out just how much power power lines, transformers, and insulators can take. This lab could pump out more than a million volts. Welcome to Energy Pulse Northwest. My name is Kevin Wingert. Uh, I'm here today at the High Voltage Lab in the Ross Complex in Vancouver, Washington, talking with Jeff Hildreth and Kelly Robinson. Say hi, guys. So don't be shy. So hi, I'm Jeff Hildreth. I'm the High Voltage Test Engineer here. Hi, I'm Kelly Robinson, and I'm in the Labs and Field Services Group. Appreciate you guys uh, sitting down and talking with us uh, today. So kind of kick things off. Uh, what exactly does the High Voltage Lab do? So there's a couple of roles that the High Voltage Lab plays. First of all, we help to make sure that our crews are safe by testing tools and techniques here in the lab before we ask them to use those tools and techniques in the field. We also make sure that BPA is buying the best materials that we can possibly buy. Most of the materials that we buy are engineered materials, and so they have a specification. And so we make sure that those materials meet the specification. A couple of the small, smaller things that we do, uh, we do some uh, research and development for the technology uh, innovation group. And uh, we also do some testing for outside organizations. We have a very specialized facility here. There aren't very many of them in the world. And sometimes uh, it's in our best interest to, to do testing for, for outside groups. So when you mentioned uh, some of the testing that we do for engineered uh, materials, uh, can you give some examples of what we're talking about? Sure. Actually, one great example was um, during the spacer damper replacement project, uh, we bought a lot of these spacer dampers to go on our system. And one very alert lineman noticed when he received his spacer dampers that it didn't look like the drawing. He contacted technical services and technical services said, yeah, that sure doesn't look like the drawing. Turns out the manufacturer had changed the design without letting us know. So then we had lots of these materials that we'd already purchased, many of them already installed in the power system. And the question became then, are they okay? Or are they not okay? Do we need to go back and re-replace all these? Can we reinstall the ones that are on hand or do we have to send them back and get new ones? And so we tested them here in the lab. 1203. And unfortunately, we found that the, the spacer dampers that we'd received did not meet our specifications. So when you tested them, 
what exactly were you testing them for and how did they kind of fail to, to meet our standards? Well, in this case, we were testing them for their corona performance. And so corona is an undesirable side effect that happens with high voltage. The, the primary side effect that we're worried about is the audible noise that it produces because it can be very annoying to the neighbors of power lines if they're making loud buzzing sounds all the time. So in this case, these spacer dampers did not meet our corona spec, that they would be continuously making audible noise, they would be wasting power, they'd be interfering with people's radio and TV reception. And so for all those reasons, we couldn't install the ones that we had received and we had to send those back and get new ones. Kelly, talk to me a little bit about how we integrate uh, with the, the field and some of the work that's, uh, that's done directly in support of field services. I'll answer that question in a second, but you, we got to ask Jeff about system testing because that's pretty awesome. You want to take the, the lead and fire off the first question? Okay, Jeff, tell us about the stage system testing. You I've tell us what stage system testing. On one, but I do know that Jeff and a bunch of people will go out there. They've got these big, huge, you know, trailers all set up with all kinds of um, electronic equipment to to monitor voltages and currents. They'll actually purposely fault the system, put a fault on the system. Explain to me what it means when you say fault the system. They so they have like this goffy this this uh, gas-operated fault initiator. That's, you know, acronym. <laughs> so they, what they'll do is they'll fire it through a ring that they've installed. Of course, they do that when it's the bus is de-energized, and it's got like a little tail on it. It's like a little dart that we launch with a compressed air uh, launcher, and it carries a wire up with it, and that wire bridges between the energized bus work and the ground. And it, it's sort of like what would happen if a tree fell into a line or if lightning strike strikes a line, uh, you get that flashover or the fault that occurs and uh, it, it creates a short circuit on the power system that is hard on equipment. And uh, But there, there are lots of very sophisticated things on the power system to deal with that situation So because it does happen. And so uh, when that fault happens, there's relays that detect it, there's circuit breakers that open up and clear the fault. And then the dispatchers then have to figure out how to get power restored. When we're talking about testing, you're not exactly gentle on this equipment. True, right? The, if we were to just test equipment to its day-to-day -day rating, it probably wouldn't perform with the reliability that we expect out of the power system. I don't know if everybody appreciates how reliable power is, but I can tell you that in the... 14 years that I've lived in my house, I've had one power outage. That's pretty amazing. 14 years, one power outage. And so we in the United States have come to expect very reliable power. And one of the ways to do that is to make sure that all of the equipment that we use is tested to the most rigorous standards. And so that when those unusual things happen, the windstorm, the ice storm, the wildlife interaction with the power system, the plane crashing into a power line, all these things are unusual, but they happen. And so we want to make sure that when we test things, we test them to the most rigorous standards so that we get that reliability that we expect. So is it fair to, to say that you go into a test looking for how to make something fail and, and then maybe make it better? Absolutely. Yes, uh, 
it's sort of like the uh, the engineers that crash test cars. You know, they want to make sure that the car is safe, and sometimes you know, crash the car to do that. Uh, but you do it in a controlled way, and you do it uh, deliberately, and and you carefully measure everything that happens so that you can improve things and make it better next time. Uh, Kelly, back to you. Talk to me a little bit about uh, what we do with uh, with field services and how that kind of ties into the labs. So. In the field services group, we we support the field, basically. We, we are technical services for the field in terms of diagnostic testing. They don't do it frequently enough. They have sometimes questions when they're testing something. And so that's what my group, or the field services group, we actually support them if they have a question on how to perform a particular diagnostic test on a transformer. So when we're talking about uh, diagnostic uh, testing, what exactly is it that we're trying to so yeah so mainly um the most common test that they perform on a transformer that we assist with is insulation testing so so we want to make sure that the transformer insulation is in good condition and if it's not then there are certain things that they can do to maintain them so we we're there to support them if they have questions in interpreting the data or in some cases they actually need assistance in the field so our group will come in and and help them fill in those gaps because, like, if you don't do anything for a long time, you forget how to do it. And that's what we're there for. Any interesting uh, test that kind of comes to, to mind and experience that was a little bit unlike uh, any other that you've seen? There's nothing like the high-voltage lab testing, that's for sure. Because uh, the, the diagnostic testing we do is kind of boring, which that's a good day when things are boring. But the transformer testing <clears throat> is extremely important, right? Why, why is it important? Yeah, so... We're talking about the insulation, why it's important to measure insulation. So this again, it goes back to that whole reliability thing that Jeff was talking about. So we need to make sure that our equipment is in good condition and, and good health. Otherwise, you, you're going to lose that reliability. If you lose a transformer, the lead time for a new one is like 18 months and $3 million. There's no way you can, you know, just go in and replace one if it fails. There's some, you know, smaller utilities that will run to failure and that's that's really not an option for us we have a um, preventative maintenance program where it's you know it we we check our transformers every seven years we uh, do oil testing kind of like a blood test for a person which is our chemistry labs we don't actually have those guys in here today but maybe a future podcast episode you could ask them sounds like a great idea um and uh, all of those things we use to determine the health of the transformer. What does that really mean for, uh, for the transformer? What's going to happen to a transformer if your uh, insulation is failing? You could end up with um, some partial discharge or inside the transformer or some, some arcing inside the transformer, and you could end up with a, a big failure. Like we've seen on some of our reactors, you probably remember that one. Was it out in Hillsborough with the big like all the fire and smoke and everything that made the news. So that's something we're trying to avoid. So and the way to avoid it is to have a good preventative maintenance program the way we do. Very cool. Now, I, I seem to, to remember talking to you, Jeff, about uh, uh, scheduling, and you said something about uh, the crews going out to, uh, to a substation to kind of help uh, clean the, oh, the substation. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's that all about? Well, so... I'll give you an example where we uh, worked with the crews to determine whether cleaning was necessary and whether it would be effective. 
And one of those was a crew in the coastal area brought me a set of insulators. And so these are the things that lines are suspended from. And so they hold up the line and they keep the voltage on the power line and off of everything else. So they have a really important job. So they brought me these insulators and they were completely covered in moss. They looked like a living thing. <laughs> the question was, should we be worried about this? Does the moss hurt anything? Is it gonna reduce our reliability? And so we did some tests and found that as long as the insulators were dry, the moss didn't seem to have any effect on their electrical performance. But as soon as they got wet, that reduced their electrical performance to the point where we worried that uh, they would not have that reliability that we're looking for. So then the question was, should we replace all these with brand new insulators or is there something we can do to fix these? And so we experimented with some cleaning techniques and we found that you could clean the moss off and continue to use those insulators. And so that's what they did. So you talk a little bit about experimenting uh, with cleaning. What exactly did, did that look like? Watch how OxyClean unleashes the power of oxygen. How exactly did you guys clean? Well, in that case, I think we, we used, uh, we found a solution. It's amazing. That would, that would do the cleaning without damaging the insulator. We did some testing after we cleaned it to verify that the original electrical performance of the insulator was restored. And so then we were able to provide instructions to the crew on how to do that. So are we talking like buckets and mops or yeah, exactly. uh, sponges scrub brushes and, and scrub brushes and sure. all that? Exactly, yeah. And of course, uh, in this case, we had them do it while it was de-energized. We've experimented with uh, cleaning insulators while energized. In fact, we just did one here in the lab a few weeks ago where a company, uh, they make a machine that it shoots pellets of dry ice, if you can imagine, just little tiny pellets of dry ice at an energized insulator. And dry ice is really just carbon dioxide. And so this stream of pellets of carbon dioxide doesn't conduct electricity, uh, yet it knocks off the bad stuff without damaging the insulators. And then the pellets of dry ice evaporate and turn it back into carbon dioxide. And so it's kind of a novel uh, way to clean the insulator. I've learned, been learning some Swedish because I got to go to Sweden for um, transformer factory testing. That must have been pretty neat. I mean, those were some of the biggest transformers ever made. Yeah, yeah. we didn't talk about the Solalo upgrade yeah. at all. Well, so then let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, chat about that. Yeah, I wasn't uh, I wasn't aware. Because um, I didn't tell you. Well, yeah, so you're going to tell me n now <laughs> because we, we recently went through a major upgrade at uh, the Salilo converter station, uh, and that included onboarding a number of very large transformers. What did we do testing-wise for those transformers? There are so many transformers. There are seven of them, uh, six of them that are in service in one sphere. And that's a lot of transformers to go witness testing on. And we have a group that they'll go and witness testing on every transformer and reactor that we purchase to make sure that they're meeting the, the purchasing specifications that... So what were some of the tests that, uh, that were run that you were uh, witnessing? They do the, like every single test you can possibly think of. So like they'll do the insulation testing and all that stuff that I mentioned. There's a, a lot of other tests that we can do 
as well in our group and they did some of those as well so they'll do tests to make sure that the windings are meet their specifications and when we do them in the field we compare to the test results that they got to make sure that the winding haven't been deformed or moved or anything like that and then they also did some other really interesting tests they'll, they, they'll actually do impulse tests kind of like the lightning tests that Jeff does you know the Thor thunder god <laughs> testing um, to make sure that the transformers are meet the s certain specifications because there are transients and things on the system that if they can damage your equipment if they can't um, withstand them. I'm sorry, you said transients uh, on the No, not the those system. people you see in downtown Vancouver. <laughs> you know. I, I, I was just wondering. So, uh, <laughs> like, yeah, sorry, that's just like some... Like, how do you describe that? Like a, like a surge, a, a transient like overvoltage yeah, or a surge. Like a big spike or something like that. Anyway, so so if you have that in your system, it'll flash over and it can damage your insulation system and your entire um, transformer could be compromised. If it's like a little bushing or something that fails, that could, like one bad bushing can ruin an entire transformer. There's some pretty neat tests they did. They, they do tests where they'll, they'll energize it at a, a much higher voltage than it would ever experience um, it, while in service, and then check for partial discharge. And we actually did have one that failed that test, and they actually found what, what happened was there were some metal particles that got blown inside and, and faulted the winding. We get to do some pretty neat stuff and see neat stuff and go to really to lots of different places on the system. I have to ask uh, what it's like knowing that you can produce lightning. I mean, basically, that, that's kind of like a superpower. <laughs> yes, I, I should probably change my name to Thor, the god of thunder. <laughs> but uh, no, really, seriously, um, I, I think in that case, we're standing on the shoulders of giants because uh, there were some really smart people that, that came before us, starting with Tesla and... Uh, marks and some people that figured out how all this stuff works and and designed these um, these things allow us to control electric power and I think probably as we go through our day we don't think very much about how much power is at our beck and call at any given moment but it's mind blowing <laughs> if you went to somebody back in the 1800s and and said you could have this power at your command uh, they would have not even understood what that meant. I'm wondering if you can do something uh, for me. Can you say, I am Thor, God of Thunder, feel my wrath. <laughs> I don't know about that. I'd have to have like some lightning. Yeah, get him a margarita. <laughs> <laughs> and he'd do it, trust me. Well, that was pretty cool. You know, I've been to the high voltage lab one time when I took my kids out there on the tour for Take Your Kids to Work Day, maybe I don't know, three or four years ago, and it was impressive. They need to know that those electrons will, how they're going to be herded and tamed, and that they'll respond in the way the equipment was designed. So a little uh, lightning is a good, good thing in that cause. Now, coming up in August, we're going to bring you an interview with Woody Guthrie's granddaughter, plus take an in-depth look at the tremendous summer sockeye run on the Columbia and Snake Rivers. See you next time. Thanks a lot for listening. Thank you. Energy Pulse Northwest is a production of the Bonneville Power Administration.